everybody. If you like martial arts and combat sports, make sure to hit the like, subscribe, and share in order to raise the bar of whether you like Kyokushin Karate, BJJ, MMA, etc. for the Drew Spearience. That's the Drew Spearience on YouTube, on Spotify, and iTunes. If I said that again, who cares? I'm raw. That, that's how it is. And I just, before I, and I just want to say, this is the Drew Spearience, the show that's 80% combat sports and 20% everything else. First of all, I want to say thank you to, to three to, to four people. First, KRT Tips and Tricks, the largest online growing dojo where Wesley Jen, Jensen and Darren Stringer are bringing together all the minds of Kyokushin in order to train during these crazy times of the pandemic. Also, thank you to the Marshall Way blog who contributes amazing Kyokushin content from worldwide, reposting and having A1 interviews on Real Talk with Xi'an Terry Burkett of, of uh, Ronin Dojo. Also, Kyokushin Shuffle and Forever the Student ebook, where Patrick Pinto, Sensei Patrick Pinto, picks the greatest minds of Kyokushin to see how they excel at their craft and do what they do best. Kyokushin Shuffle, available on all audio platforms, YouTube, and Forever the Student ebook online. And lastly, if you're a pro fighter, finding a, a manager is hard. Or if you're a Kyokushin practitioner that wants to become a pro fighter, finding a good manager is even harder. Luckily, Moments Management is the one organ, is the one management company I would recommend to everybody. Ranima Safapur and his team who represents the MMA elites, such as Alexander Gustafson, Gegard Mousasi, amongst many others, will teach you about the ins and outs of the fight game, understand how to save, invest your money before, during, and after the fight career, so that way you have money when you walk away. Moments management, where care and quality come first. And my guest tonight, wow. So he's, this is one's been in demand for a very long time since I rebranded as the Drew Spearians. He actually approached me. So this is the second time I get approached since, uh, well, not the second time. It's one of the few other times I get approached. Yeah. And uh, he is one of the gold, he is among the gold standard of USA Kyokushin. I've always had Canadians on, but now it's time to see our neighbor south of the border because we have some amazing talent in the pop with a population of 300 million. He's fought in ring wars. He's fought in kickboxing fights. He's a decorated sensei for Kyokushin Khan under Xi'an Tom Callahan and Xi'an Hamid. I am very pleased to welcome Sensei Bob Buchanan of Forge Dojo. Welcome, Sensei. Thank you, my man. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's uh, I, I love when when a guest wants to come on the show. That yeah. makes it more that 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 you're making me step my game up, Bob. I have to make sure I deliver the A game because yeah. I want to make sure that I represent my guest well, that I've done my homework, and I want to yeah. make sure that you have a good time in order to show that uh, in order to show that like this is like this is why martial arts is amazing. It's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing, bringing countries together. Love it, love it. Perfect. So you know. Um, you know, you're quite of a, a giant man because um, I was talking with a mutual friend of ours, Sensei Junior Russo. Yeah. I'm like, uh, he's like, I'm like, I'm like, how are the Zoom classes going? And I said, he's like, he's really good. And he was always saying good things about you. He's like, That's awesome. Bob, said, he's like, Sensei Bob is a monster of a, a <laughs> monster. And, and, and no, not a monster, a mammoth. Something along those yeah. lines of a man. I'm butchering the paraphrase. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's like, he's six foot seven. The guy's in amazing shape, and he just yeah. he just rate he just kills it at ring wars when he's called to compete. So, <laughs> what? So, like, how is it that you found Kyokushin? Like, what oh, was the man. story behind that? I'll, so, a lot of guys that I know have gotten into Kyokushin, Kyokushin because 
you know, they saw a fight or they saw a specific fighter. Um, for me, I knew nothing about Kyokushin Karate until it was actually in the room right above where I'm sitting right now, a good friend of mine, Jason Franklin, who's also fought Ring Wars. Um, this was, gosh, now I'm feeling old. It's not 17, 18 years ago. It's okay. Sometimes I feel 2005 is only three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Well, Jason comes in and he hops his, his foot up on the arm of my couch and he starts rolling his pant leg up and he shows me these bumps and ridges on his shin. I'm like, oh my God, what did you do? He goes, Bob, I found real karate. I'm like, I want some of that. But at that time I was, um, well, I've been six, seven for ever. Um, but at that time, I was about 350 pounds. Whoa, linebacker, like a, or like a D lineman in the in like yeah. NCAA football. Yeah, um, very out of shape. Uh, so I was like, "Hey, do you, do you think I can get into that?" He's, he's like, "Well, there are two instructors at our dojo. You should come to the one until you get in shape, because the other is going to just train wreck you." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so cleared with my doctor and. Um, for me, like class one, I, I was like, give me the uniform, give me the belt, I'm in it. Like, it was so much fun. It felt, um, in my head, whenever I'm training, there's like, there's this thin line and we're always, I'm kind of teetering between, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to die. And I feel unkillable. And I love to walk that line when I'm training. And that's what I felt that first day. And I was, I was hooked. And um, man, it, it, in a lot of ways, if it weren't for that, that first class and Jason introducing me to Kyokushin, um, and that whole, that whole experience, it's, I think it literally saved my life. I mean, I've lost over, I lost over 100 pounds in that first year. Because I don't know if you know this, a smaller, lighter, faster guy is a little harder to hit. <laughs> and I was training with some some beasts who could fight. So, um, yeah, man, it, it's it's been a long while, um, but it, it best thing I've ever done in my life. Best Not thing only I've ever started. I definitely agree. Like for me, so I mean, every time like the story kind of changes, like in terms of how I got into Kyokushin for myself. So for me, yeah. I like how you said at the beginning, a movie. So, so Mo, my coach is going to watch them and if he's going to, he's going to talk so much trash to me after as, as fun. Cause he's like, you say Jean-Claude Van Damme one episode and now you say Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> so let me just get the, let me just say it here and I'm going to make a habit of it when people ask how I got into it. So at 10 years old, do you remember direct TV? Of course. Okay. So back in the day, my, my dad, because we're up in Canada, so we, we couldn't have American satellite back in the day, but you kind of uh -huh. got it, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. my dad, so my dad was very, very uh, liberal, like in terms of like letting me, like there's no structure. My dad was a very, he was a very laissez-faire dad, like do what you want, watch what you want. Yeah. You got to kind of trial by error anyways. So I had the action channel. So Two things happened in this period. So one, I saw Double Impact with Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's with his twin brother, like his twin brother? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Oh, man. There's that one. Yeah. And then um, there was Dolph Lundgren, who uh, I first saw in Rocky Four, And then when I was like later on, so 
double. So this is in 2002, 2003, when I first see Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I was always watching the Action Channel to watch, like, the, the more violent anime. I was always into yeah. anime and, like, you know, but like, and uh, just trying to watch the more mature one because it was real, Matt. It was very real. And yeah. then 2005, six. I watch Rocky Four and I see Dolph Lundgren. I say, "Oh my God, this, this guy's a bad. This guy's a bad man." Yeah. Then internet, I find and I get on the internet and I see he does Kyokushin. So I always saw the logo and I said, "I'll do it one day." But I was more into ice hockey, so I was yeah. more into that. So like back then, I could tell you which player got drafted, who scored what. Like I have a binder of hockey cards. Like there's a reason why Scott from the Marshall Way and Wesley yeah. call me Mister Baseball Cards. So that's why I'm with <laughs> fights. But I'm with that. I used to be like that with like team sports, and then. Uh, eventually I got into MMA one in 2014 and then I just said it's either now or never I, I register yeah. or not first I did Taekwondo which not many people know but then yeah. I transitioned into Kyokushin and it's the best decision I've made ever yeah. since it's I, I still remember when Jason said I found real karate I'm like <laughs> well if that's happening to you fine yeah Dolph Lundgren though when I when I learned oh he does the same style that I'm learning when I was younger and I had less gray and this was a little lighter up top, I, I would always like dream of, of getting the flat top and dressing up as him for Halloween. One day I'm going to meet him. We Dolph, will. Dolph, I'm going to meet you one day. Same here. And like, I, like Shan Callahan actually has hosted him and that's the funny thing. So it's like one day if I'm in California, it's like, Tom, I love Shan Tom. You're an amazing man. I love yeah. everything you do. And, but, one day Bob and I are going to come to California and we are going to oh. meet Dolph. You're going to, you have to facilitate that. It's, 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 it's one of our wishes we have. So when you listen oh, it's to on this, my bucket list, it's I will break here. him. Not really. Not really. I had oh, a book. Yeah. Well, you know the story about um, in Rocky four, how he legit put Sylvester Stallone in the hospital. Yeah. That's not many like, people talk about that. It's like, why would you want to like, to really spar with a guy who's, actually fought <laughs> I, I i still don't understand the logic but hey it was a realistic fight scene because it was real it gave him the uh, job and that launched his career yeah. and after that like and after that out of all the action heroes because like you know you have van damme you have stallone you have uh wesley snipes michael jai yeah. white michael jai white another legit kyokushin yeah. guy but Dolph has done really well for himself. Yeah. He he did some like B level movies after the the ninth in the early nineteen nineties and into the early two thousands. But he's of the few that's really yeah. done like to have a renaissance. Like now everybody, even like this generation of kids, follow Dolph Lundgren. Yep. Well, he did the um, he the whole was the series. There were like three movies he did with Van Damme. Universal Soldier. Yes, I see. Total crap movies, but I I love them. It's you know, good guys versus the bad guys, and then you find out, oh my god, the bad or the good guys are the bad guys, or what you know, what's going on? Do, do yeah, you he remember? did uh, he did that Masters of the Universe back in the day because yes. I was a huge He Man nerd growing up. Oh, that was I need to make my children watch that one. That was that's a classic, that's a classic yeah. action film. He also yeah. did the original Punisher. Not many people know this, but yes, I forgot that. Everybody forgets that film, and yeah. it's, and it's it's everyone said okay the first Marvel film in the cinema in the universe back in the day it's I I can't say it's the first official, but it's mm -hmm. among the early early ones was the Punisher with Dolph, and it was made in Australia actually. Huh. Well, another another Kyokushin guy that's 
dipping in the acting pool. Have you seen um, George St. Pierre is back in yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode one? I don't watch don't that. Spoil. Yeah. But, but he's, no, he's in there. He's in it. He's posted. I, he's like, he's like, Hey, he's like, I'm yeah. in the, I'm in a Marvel show. Like gives this heavy French accent. Like I'm in the Marvel show. My, my wife, whenever I do something around the house, that's just subpar. She'll say, well, what's that thing that GSP said that I love so much? When he I am goes not to Matt, impressed with your performance. It's like Matt, he's like, Matt, congratulations, but I'm not impressed with your, by your performance. <laughs> yeah, I get that one uh, too often. I am not impressed with your... <laughs> oh, gosh. That's I think she said it to me last week. Oh, man. Without the accent or with the accent? She tries to do it with the accent, okay. and that's why I love her. You she have just... to be... You have to be born in Canada and in Quebec yeah. to understand because like I'm English, but like I understand French culture because like I have grown up and I lived with it. So it's like mm-hmm. I pick up on it. So when you hear you're like, okay, I know I know how to do it. It's like yeah. it's, but it's amazing though. That that basically made George somewhat more famous when yeah. the UFC exploded because that was in that period where MMA had finally like reached like the lightning in a bottle moment. Yeah. Well, I remember he came up around the same time as um What's his name? Oh gosh, the crow. Dave Wasso. Dave Wasso, yeah. Loved watching him fight. Um, yeah, I think I think Lawasso was the he was the first UFC fight I, I ever saw. And um, I, all I remember is like him coming in with this elbow, this like two to seven elbow, and thinking, oh my God, he's gonna kill a dude. Is that legal? And then my buddy's just like, "Yeah, you could basically do anything." Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! No holds bars, they call it. That's what Cat Shane yeah. Cameron calls it. He's like, he calls he used to in Australia, but because Cameron calls it no holds bar because mm-hmm. he was he seen even the Wild West days, and David came up right at the end of the Wild West days, right yeah. when it exploded. So it's always like people should know it's David Wazo came first, then George. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, all kinds of memories now. Jeez. That back in the day, Chuck Liddell was the face of the UFC with Tito Ortiz. This is before yeah. Anderson. This is before Anderson. Yeah. So, man, I was just thinking of um, Tim Sylvia on the drive yeah. home today. It's like, man, where's that monster? He was huge. He was huge, but he. Uh, so after the UFC, he went to Affliction because uh-huh. so. Back in the day when Fedor was coming out of Japan, yeah. if you remember, everybody wanted to get fight Fedor. And Tim Sylvia, uh, so what happened was Tim Sylvia had a falling out with the UFC because, um, so I listened to Michael Bisping's podcast, so this is where yeah. I got it from. So Bisping was telling the story that before Sylvia fought Norguera for the heavyweight title, he went up to, like, you know how the Fertitas would go tell the fighters, hey, good luck, you know, do what you can. Yeah. So the Fertitas go up to him and Tim Sylvia unfiltered just says, after this fight, he's like, you're going to fucking pay me. Like, I'm, excuse me, like, I shouldn't, he's like, you're going <sighs> to, yeah, you're going to pay me for like, like I'm the champion I deserve to be, which yeah. you don't really say to your boss. Like, I mean, yeah. even though it's yeah. a high, like uh, testosterone environment and that didn't sit well with the Fertitas and white. So after that, he lost the heavyweight title and they said, okay, you know what? You want to go fight Fedor and affliction? Go ahead. Goes yeah. and fights Fedor, gets dropped within a minute. Yeah, Fedor was, gosh, until he got stopped. I'm, for years, we were thinking, who, who's going to stop this guy? 
And he had that one that like rolling, it almost looked like a jab coming in. He would roll it over and come over the top. That one punch, it's one of those things where like he does it every fight and everybody and their mother, like you know he's going to do it. But there's not, I think it's because like you don't, you don't train that punch in, in training or in the gym. So if you never work on seeing it and defending it, there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's a very, it's like a very, he's a very unflashy fighter, but he's effective. And that's what makes, made him very dangerous. Like even, and every time he walked out, never had any emotion, just like as if he's like paying for his groceries, just like, okay. And then he starts Sylvia, starts Darlovsky. He was about to fight Josh Barnett in Affliction, but then Mm -hmm. Affliction went under because Josh Barnett popped for steroids. So is uh, mm. but Affliction had some serious talent. Like yeah, they had yeah. they had Arlovsky. They had they had uh it was Arlovsky. I remember who they had they had Arlovsky, um Barnett, Vitor Belfort. That that's yeah. enough that v- anyone ever wants to watch like a swarm like a fist coming at you, watch yeah. Vitor Belfort. He he is my favorite <laughs> he's my favorite yeah. Brazilian to watch. Well he he I was trying to explain, I don't watch a whole lot of UFC if I know it's going to be two grapplers. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it bores me just because I don't understand. Like, I'm not a grappler. And so when it goes to the ground, I'm just like, eh. So I've been getting into a lot of glory and um, a couple buddies of mine are fighting in Lion Fight now. So I love the stand-up Muay Thai. Um, But yeah, Vitor... That, that dude will throw hands with anyone. And you want to go to the ground, fine, but he seemed to prefer just trying to knock you out. Did you <sighs> ever, did you ever uh, see his knockout of uh, Luke Rockhold? How recently was that? That was like seven years ago, but it's like one of, but it's like one of the most brutal knockouts that, like, that you'll that you'll ever see pull it up yeah i'm gonna like pull it up <laughs> yeah I, I have to pull i have to pull it up right now for you so let me you just uh it. let me just get let me just get it out here yeah well, let me just uh I'm, i've got to make it up full screen mode here so let me just do that okay let me just share my screen with you yeah so share screen okay so let's do this okay Okay, so you see my screen now? Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay, so here, let's just let me just get it to full screen mode. So, you know, he's doing his walkout. There's Luke Rockhold. He became a middleweight oh. champ. Watch this, kid. Watch yeah. Dino. Watch, watch this. Now, Dana White's not going to come after us for watching this, are we? No, no, no. It's on the. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh a... yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that one. Look at like like a Kyokushin. That's Boom. a sp- yeah. starched Rockhold. Like it, it just kind it just kind of sucks because you know Rockhold is a very yeah. was a very successful fighter, and um, it's just but he won the belt. But it's just that I think when it comes to Rockhold, you know, on the rise and then just the way he fell after losing yeah. to Bisping, it, it it's very unfortunate because you know I do believe technically middleweight because it's like i'm a middleweight in kyokushin mm-hmm. so i'm like a 185 187 yeah. that's my one actually yeah 184 and 185 is my weight i fight at but man rockhold was one of the most technically gifted middleweight oh, yeah, yeah. i've ever seen 
I always, you know, my, even my students, guys I train with, they're like, oh, it must be nice to be a heavyweight. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm afraid of the middleweights because they hit like the heavyweights and move like the lightweights. It's like, nay, nay, you ought to cut down and, and fight middleweights. That's saying, no. No, does, no. It does, no, no. Like, I, I fought a heavyweight. It's not fun. No. Oh, man. Yeah, Vitor, gosh. He would throw hands. I totally, I haven't seen that kick in years, man. Oh, gosh. But there's not much you can do when that when a heel hits you in the jaw. No. It's better than NyQuil. <laughs> yeah, very true. You know what's funny? Here's a funny thing So about that. So do you know of the Brazilian Kyokushiners such as Iwatan Teixeira and Andrews yeah. Nakahara? So oh, yeah. Andrews Nakahara, who my coach knows and who I, like, I'm kind of like, you know, thanks to my coach, like, you know, I'm kind of friendly with Andrews. Andrews taught Vitor that kick. He trained really? Vitor. Yeah, he was telling me about it because Vitor goes around to a lot of gyms. Now he sticks yeah. at, like, now he's more at, like, say, where Henry Hooft is in Florida. Mm -hmm. But Andrews taught him that kick, and he said, he's like, yes, he's like, Vitor wanted to learn a spinning back kick like Taekwondo. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, and I told him, brother, Kyokushin knows how to do the spinning back kick perfectly yeah. with power. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just go to YouTube, Kyokushin, spinning back kick, knockout. It's, uh, I, I probably, I, in the dojo, I'll say, hey, you know what, if, if this discouraged you, if you couldn't get this kick today, just go do a YouTube search and see that everyone started feeling like you did, and it will be beautiful one day. Exactly. But, Every oh, will start man. somewhere. We all get humbled easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's it? So tell me about Ring Wars, because you know, uh, Ring Wars is like a very wow. prestigious tournament hosted by Xi'an yeah. Rene Cruz. And every time I've spoken with Xi'an Rene, I'm putting him on the spot here in a good way. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm down to. He's like, I'm down to. He's like, yes, I'm interested in coming on. So Rene, yeah. I hope after this, after I've hosted Bob, he's represented. <laughs> he's a champion. He's helped you. I hope you finally come on because it's time we get you on. Because we got to talk quality kumites in K1. But yeah, yeah, tell me about Ring Wars. You know, back to you. Tell me, how did you get started oh, in that? Ring Wars is, oh gosh. It started, uh, I've got to do math. I guess it was 2000. Oh, I might get my years mixed up. 2009. Um, the Enshin guys in the DC metro area, they had their Capital Sabaki Challenge. And that was my first full contact event in 2009. And I fought one of Renee's students, Nate Mensing. And, um, you know, heavyweight division, I'm taller than your average heavyweight. So I have a tendency, sometimes fight with my hands a little low. Mm -hmm. I've, I've learned to stop assuming nobody can kick me in the head. That was the first time I got just clocked right in the face with a roundhouse kick. Um, I went on to beat it, though. Yeah. <laughs> but all the guys, see, Mike Phillips, um, was it Anthony Bracero? I mean, all the guys that Sean Cruz brought down were just killers. And so we got the, we got the chatting. Um, we kept in touch, and... I guess it was September, the, you know, the ring or the Sabaki challenge was in maybe January, February. Um, ring Wars was in November, December. So I got the invite with my buddy, Jason, who introduced me to Kyokushin. Um, hey, y'all want to come up to Rochester and fight in Ring Wars? We had no idea 
we, we were told really cool trophies and fighting a boxing ring. And um, you had me at the boxing ring because I grew up watching wrestling. So yeah. I always wanted to fight in a ring. Um, it was one of the most well-run events I've ever been a part of. And I'm a teacher, so I'm constantly judging how you set up your event and promote and you know, how it flows. So it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Um, who fought there? Oh, I think Justin Mancini fought at that at that yeah. Ring Wars. Yeah, he's done there. Um, he's done it. Justin Vincent me showed Junior Russo. Yeah. What's well, Jason? So I fought in fought in two thousand nine. I'm thinking it's two thousand nine. Um, first time I've ever fought a dude bigger than me, like taller and heavier. And oh my gosh, that was a learning experience. I had a permanent bruise um, on my shin for years. I probably should have had that checked out. But um, the, the coolest thing, so I fought in 2009 against just another huge dude. Um, 2011, I think it was one of Sensei Russo's students. Um, I don't want to say his name because he goes by two names on social media, so I don't... Is it Pat? No, it's... No, it's um goes by Gianni or John. Dark hair, facial hair. Um, fought him in 2011, and that was fun. He's another like big dude. I think I had him on, on hype. Um, but again, just another awesome event. Um, oh, actually, 2011. So I fought one of I fought one of Russo's students, my buddy Jason, who was a middleweight. He I think he was slated to fight since a Russo, but he had picked up a training injury, so ended up. Do you remember Matt Payne? Matt why K-O-1. does that name? Why do I why do I feel like I've heard that name, Matt Payne? P a y a p a y n e, right? Yeah, but he, Matt I, th- I think he spells it M a t t h. Okay. The dude looks like friggin' Arnold Schwarzenegger from the Terminator movies. Like, coming out, he's, he had, like, a little crew cut. Um, he comes out to the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah, I heard you guys have your own entrance dun, dun. songs. Oh, man. That's another whole part. Yeah, entrance songs, you know, the ring announcers. Um, it's not a professional, like, you're not getting paid, but it, it feels like... I, I, I think if you're going to showcase good Kyokushin, you've got to, if you're going to showcase good Kyokushin in the United States, U.S. fight sports fans want something like Ring Wars. They don't want to go to a traditional tournament. Um, I mean, I, don't, I like them, but I'm, I'm the martial artist. My, my wife hates going to tournaments. She's like, geez, all day long, they're so boring. My kids hate watching tournaments. They, they want to go see just Maybe a little pomp and, and some flair, but they just want to see folks go in and bang. Um, but yeah, getting to meet all kinds of Julie Lemaire, I remember watching her. Oh, she's among the women's she is amongst the women's goats of uh Kyokushin. I talk her. about her all the time in, in, in my dojo because I've been blessed we've for years my dojo was one hundred percent male. And now it's not quite 50-50, but 
maybe 60, 40. And I talked about Julie a couple times a month is just, man, she could stand, she could put her nose, cause I'm really tall. She put her nose in my sternum and kick me in the face. She's that quick and flexible. There's a lot, yeah, every, and every time someone stands with her, it's always the same story. Listen, yep. there's le there are real levels to this game. You can say, I've prepared for Julie Lamar. I've, pre I've done the training. You, it's, yeah. it's like fighting John Jones or Habib or yeah. Valentina Shevchenko. They're just at another level. She's up there. Like, I mean, for example, there was, I mean, I think the dream fight is, uh, I don't want to say the, I don't want to say the name on here because, you know, I don't want to yeah. stir anything up. But like, yeah. like a champion in one of the European organizations out of uh, the UK, who's a heavyweight champion that, you know, everyone like likes to, to talk about and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But listen, I think if she fights Julie Lamar, it's going to be a very tough fight. She might have the grit and durability, which is good. But yep. Julie is, it's, it's going to be like watching John Jones versus Daniel Cormier the first yep. time around. Like, like that's how it is. Like Julie's just miles ahead. She can fight. She doesn't fight you at your weaknesses. She fights mm -hmm. you at your strengths. And then that puts yep. you in a, in a situation where you're like, my toolbox is compromised. Yeah. We were working, um, we're working leg kick defense and counters uh, before we went on our spring break. And I'm big on, you know, checking a kick. So if I check with my right leg, I'm going to kick you with my right leg. Just to let you know, not only was your kick worthless, it was so worthless that I'm going to kick you with what you use as a target. And just the mentally, there's, there's so much of the mental piece in the fight game. And um, the nice thing about getting old or older, I'm not old yet, um, I, so I did, I did Ring Wars 2009, 2011, because she does them every other year because there's so much work to do. Yeah. Um, I had to take a break. I don't know if, um, I don't know if Lyme disease is big in Canada. It's huge where we live. And my wife was sick for about 10 years with it. Oh, um, God. So I did my 50-man kumite and then kind of called it quits. Uh, from competition just to kind of try to be home more. She's better now. I had a fight team go up um, this past March for Ring Wars. And for the few weeks leading up to it, she and Renee is like, hey, this COVID thing is scaring a lot of people. When you come up, could you bring your gi just in case? I'm like, yeah, I always, whenever I travel, there's a gi in my car. And then, um, the night before Ring Wars, I have to check my messages. It was like eight o'clock the night before. Hey, Bob, you still bringing your gi? I need you to fight tomorrow. Can you do it? I'm like, yeah. Nice. Are you gonna fight? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I'll find out tomorrow. But um, yeah, that was probably not the smartest thing. I was like, we have got to keep this for my wife unless I win. Um, then I'll I'll bring home the trophy or whatever. But. But that was, of all of them, that was probably the coolest experience because, um, and Vince Michaud was, he was there. A couple, couple really good guys were there. Um, but I think anybody who fought at that Ring Wars in 2020, we all know that as the last fun thing we did before the world shut down. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, I know, like it's, it's sad because, like, I feel like 
we're losing a generation of talent. You know, I don't yeah. want to get, I don't want to get political about COVID because that's just going to ruin like the, the vibe that we have going in the show and the energy. But I mean, it's just, it's a tragedy because this generation has lost a year from competing to get better. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think next year is when we'll see these tournaments again. That's yeah. just me, but the damage is done. And it's like, it, it's, it saddens me because there's so much new talent coming out with yeah. this new era now with the internet age and you have like glory on the internet, lion fight, K one, yeah. one championships, kickboxing. It's, and we can't see what this generation is doing. Like, I'm sure yeah. it's, 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 it's tough to see like, cause you've, you've, you've got a fight team too. So imagine the ones coming up that have so much promise. They've lost a year already. Like, I, you know, I spent, I spent a few months actually getting pretty discouraged about that. And then it hit me. Everyone's lost a year. Yeah. So my guys aren't behind, like sadly, everybody's behind regardless of, you know, again, how you feel about all that, but we're all behind. And so I've been trying a lot of just kind of, I hate, I hate to sound like Tony Robbins or like some David kind of, Goggins. Yeah. Well, I, I can't sound like David Goggins. I have a five-year-old. Yeah, I know, I know. But um, like I, I could dwell on, oh man, can't fight, can't compete. But one of the coolest things about this whole pandemic, like we're talking right now, I'm training with on Zoom with Junior Russo and with Sheehan Callahan and with Contra Royama and like, um, with with Judd Reed, like my heroes. That Dude, that like, didn't happen. My hero is Sam Greco, and he liked one of my posts recently. And then Judd Reed saw I had Darren yeah. on, so I know what you mean. It's like it's you're like it's like, and then you think, yeah. is this pandemic as bad as it is as it's made as like we can make it out to be? There's more silver linings. Oh yeah. Then, I mean, that's how I just I, yeah. I choose to look at the bigger picture and the positives, yeah. and you you couldn't be more right. Yeah, I tell my my students, I tell I tell my students in school, I tell my students in the dojo, um, like whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. If you want to find the pandemic is just a drag and a violation of your freedom, that's all you're going to see. If you want to see, like, man, this pandemic has given me opportunities, you're going to find the opportunities. Everybody's stuck at home. Everybody, like, I love talking face to face. Me too. Um, love talking basically. I've never been big on the phone, but everybody will talk to you now. It's like, I'm so sick of looking at the wall or talking with the same people at home. So yeah, I mean, pandemic is not, I don't know. I, I, part like the spiritual part of me is like, maybe this was to get us all to slow down. Um, yeah. And it has, so I'm, I'm kind of, when, when the world does open up, I've got guys that I want to take all over the place and, and watch them fight and watch them do well. Um, but I, I also think, you know, training virtually is not ideal. It's not the best, but training virtually is better than sitting on your couch playing video games. I definitely so. agree. Look, I'll be honest. I tried a virtual class. It yeah. wasn't for me, but I tried it. But you know what? Yeah. I have other ways to keep myself active. I have my yeah. bicycle. My condo gym is still open. It has dumbbells, a barbell, and a treadmill. So I do that. And I yeah. go out for walks every day after work. I work yeah. from home. And you find ways to adapt. 
Yeah, you have as to. As cliche as it sounds. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's a reason it's, it's cliche. It's because it, it works and it's worked for a long time. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm excited just as a dad and as a teacher, as a sensei, I'm, when the world does open back up and we have, I think the next big tournament we have where all the countries are able to participate, I think that is probably going to be the best one we've had in decades because everyone's going to be excited. Everyone's going to have this, not that we have an overly competitive, like definitely not like a machismo, but I think there's going to be more positivity, even more. I mean, Kyokushin is just, you can smell positivity when you go to a tournament. Everybody's friends. I mean, for the, for the rounds where you're fighting, you're, you're not friends, but as soon as the fight's over, Hey, let's go get a beer. Oh, it's so um, true. So, so true. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm biding my time until the world opens up because I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I know so. what you mean. There's so much like, like I'm very positive too. As mentioned, I think, you know, like when it's done, like I have, there's like, I think now like I'm getting ready just to prioritize to really do what I want to do because I don't want to waste time with the wrong things or the wrong P getting the yeah. wrong, looking at the, oh, for the wrong things and being with the wrong people. Like what I wanted to do is travel. So my goal is to this, it's to travel to London to, and then go to the hall. And so London first to see Darren because yeah. uh, I want to, because, you know, Darren's been super supportive. I just want to say, you know, my, this hoodie is from them. So I know I'm giving another nice. attitude for KRT. If you want their merchandise, it's going KRT tips and tricks. They got really comfy merchandise, like this hoodie, which, which it was gifted. It was gifted, which I appreciate, yeah. but it's so comfy. And it's like, people see it. Like, you, what is this? You're you a martial artist? I'm like, yeah, it's like, I do martial arts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I gotta say that, but yeah, no, like I want to go there. I want to see Wesley and Holland. And then I want to yeah. do, I want to go to Japan. I want to go to Thailand. Like yeah. I want to do that. Those are the things I want to do. Then go to the USA, you know, just like go to Colorado, see yeah. my relatives in Cali. But the, Texas, te speaking of Texas, because you're in Virginia, Texas has a lot of Kyokushin schools that not many people know about. They do. Um, and I, I've only lived in the United States my whole life. I've never really understood how big Texas is until my wife, she spent a long weekend there back in January. There's a lot of them, but they're, and they're so spread out. I mean, Texas is the size of some countries. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I get, you know, through social media, especially Instagram, I'll get, you know, guys will contact me. Hey, do you know any, any Kyokushin schools in Arizona or in, in Texas? Just Google. But, man, there's a ton. I think, um, I don't know. I think I think the Kyokushin mentality and the, the the mentality of your average Texan, I think it matches pretty well. <laughs> they love. They love. They work hard. They love. Yeah. They love freedom of choice too, and yep. that's why they it's it does very well over there. And yeah. And I'm not gonna like. There is one fighter like he likes some of my posts from Texas. I can't remember his name, so but he'll watch this and then he'll like probably message me to like yeah. introduce himself. But Texas, it's. It's a martial arts hotspot, not just for Kyokushin, but for kickboxing, yep. MMA, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, well, that's grappling. But Texas, it's the think of the PKA days. You remember like when uh, like the the like the Rick like uh, Rick Rufus days, like you know, uh, the the like where they there was kicks above the waist. It used to be on ESPN. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like that's like that was point fighting karate, but still yeah. it was nice to 
Texas has got a lot of that too. I think it's, uh, is it Angel Ortiz you're thinking of? Yes. Down in Texas? Yes. Yeah, yeah I got connected with him through, I think, Shion Tom. It's like Shion Tom knows everybody. Oh, he knows every single person. He'll like, he's the one that recommended Shion Hamid to me. He's like, if, yeah. you, like, if you want to talk about Iranian Kyokushin, he's like, I recommend you talk to, to Shion yeah. Hamid. And, uh, you know, I had him on, you know, yeah, that's going to be an episode coming out very soon. Super nice guy. So it's. Uh, yeah. Have you talked to Shion Moji? Yes, on my old show. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. He's so charismatic. He's like a Henzo Gracie of yeah, Kyoto. He is. I, I've only got to interact with him once at a Florida seminar. That was my my first and only experience training with him. But I mean, how many languages can he speak? And he speaks like five, probably. It's like, I just feel like such a loser sometimes, but he is like technical. He just, the way he moves is beautiful. Um, humble as all get out, just all around great guy. Watch it, watch his training videos online. And he's got, he's got the charisma and like people are drawn to him. So yeah. God bless him. His dojo is a very, like that part of Canada, like the Maritimes, which is his dojo. Then you have JJ Nolan, JJ Karate yeah. Biker, another ha- jovial, happy-go-lucky guy. Like JJ's been uh, like such a big supporter. Of, like I just want to give a big shout out to him because yeah. every time I post something with Kyokushin, JJ likes it. Yep. Message me like he messaged and, and like I love it like and that means the most to me because that means I'm doing something right and yep. JJ's always like hey he's like hey bro he's like yeah he's like hey bro like keep it up man I love that interview like you yeah. know it's like I listen to all your episodes and he's like I want to come on soon too it's like JJ's gonna come on soon like I got I got time for all Kyokushin Khan like Kyokushin Khan awesome. has been they've been the most I, I, all the organizations have been supportive but Kyokushin Khan has such an openness to them it's like yep. and like they work with other organizations which is really nice to see. I mean, you have to nowadays. It's, um, I don't know, I think, I think everyone's learned, especially through the pandemic, I think we've all learned that um, like no, no one has the perfect way. We have to learn from each other. And you know, I tell my students all the time, like, you know what, getting your black belt, it's not hard. It's just easier to not do it. It's easier to quit when it gets hard. It's easier to make excuses. It's not hard. Just really do what your teacher tells you to do. It's so much easier than school. <laughs> so, Because my teacher would tell me how to do math, but I could never do math, <laughs> ever. Same way. I, I was <laughs> terrible at math. Yeah. I hated it. And even yeah. when I found out, like, I barely passed my 514, because we have math 514 yeah. in Canada. Well, now they changed it because they always reformed the education system. But it's like, I barely passed it. And I was like begging my teacher, did I pass? Like, I can't tell you that, did I pass? So then my dad, I'm like, and like my dad still was getting anxious because my dad at the time, you know, God rest yeah. his soul, like spent so much money on like tutors just to help me pass yeah. math because I hated math that much. And he's like, Andrew, it's like you passed with like a, with like a C plus, which is like a 68. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, it's like, I graduate. I'm off to college. Yes. I'm like, yes. That was the best, one of the best days ever. And then I had to start a job. I really hated my first ever job in bagging yeah. groceries, but you know, it was a good job at the time. It was honest yeah. work, but uh, that, those, uh, you, you never forget when you, yeah, I, that's, I love how you say that you can, you can teach how to do it, but not everyone's going to get it. So, yeah. yeah. But with, I, like, I legitimately think 
Um, so one of my one of my earlier teachers would say, you know, karate is for everyone, but Kyokushin is not. And the older I get, I'm like, I I don't know if I agree with that because like even looking at our dojo oath, nothing in that oath that we say each class is like singles anyone out. It never talks about um, doing a 360 cartwheel flip kick. It doesn't talk about, you know, being able to break six concrete blocks with your fist. It, it like the whole idea is creating this non-quitting spirit. And I've got one student. Um, so, man, I've known her for a while. I, I was her third grade teacher. And then I used to teach at a small private school. So I was her third grade teacher, her seventh grade teacher, and her eighth grade science teacher. And um, I mean, this kid was in end of fourth grade year. She was in a, a car accident. She should have died. Um, traumatic brain injury. Mm. Like to this day, she's got a she's got a limp. There's nothing wrong with her leg. There's muscle bone everything is fine there's just a, a connect the connection between brain and muscle doesn't work so you, you see you know she's got a little bit of a hitch in her giddy up but um she will not quit at anything where is she oh man you know what she'll kill me for putting this up there but that's her wow um, when I was visiting her at the hospital, that's her when she uh, was promoted to green belt. And now that's she's amazing. one of my brown belts. That's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, if you, if you think of Kyokushin as only the fighting, you're missing, you're missing all the good stuff. So the fighting is fun, but it, it's, it's, I, I like to think about it, you know, in our dojo. And I think most, most Kyokushin dojos have the same idea of we want to take weak people, make them strong, good people, make them better. You know, and if they can learn how to fight, awesome. it's a bonus. It's like a bonus. Yeah. There's other, there's more to the Kyokushin. Listen, I love the Kumites. Do not get me wrong. Yep. But when you embrace Budo, and as I get older, when after I've spoken with Shian Callahan many times, yeah. uh, it's, it's about, how can you be a better person in your everyday yeah. life? And that could be someone who comes in with a paw. And, you know, I'm, you know, also what, what Callahan says about Budo, my, uh, the, the guy I mentioned, the, one of the ads I mentioned, Nima, who represents mm -hmm. Moments Management, said, martial arts is not about fighting. It's about how can you make the dojo better, whether that's having yep. a positive attitude, staying to mop the floor after, yep. uh, helping someone, you know, achieve like a, a, a kata or like understand a, a technique. It's, it's all the little intricacies that yeah. what make the art what it is, no matter the style. Yep. No, that's, and I wish I would have, I wish that would have clicked for me earlier. I, I think it's just something that comes with time. Um, yeah, it's like now I'm just seeing, I, I wish I could have taught differently 10 years ago. But, you know, again, I, you know, I can beat myself up, but. I didn't know any better 10 years ago. I wanted to, I wanted to train up a, a whole dojo full of just killers. And now it's, well, I, I kind of want to raise up a whole dojo of really positive influences in their community who are strong and who are confident and who, if they have to, could throw hands. 
but never want to resolve, you know, resort to that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Starting to sound like a, like a sap. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's okay. Everyone has, everyone has their reasons for what they do, what they do. But I mean, some schools are more fighting oriented. Like look at the Lamar school. I mean, yes, they, they produce very good Kyokushin practitioners, their specialty is more kumites and that's not a bad thing either like because if you're looking to become a competitor that's the school i'm recommending in uh, one of the schools in canada for getting you ready like they have a factory they like they know how to find talent they have a system that's it that's you've got to rephrase that they have the system they know what to put you through and they can weed out who's going to be there and who's not like they can and they don't and that's the that's the good thing they want quality they don't want someone that's going to stay they don't want someone that's going to try to show off because a lot of things we see is that they people use a brown belt or a black belt as an aesthetic and it's not about that because once you reach that green belt too the green belt is like a make or break it's not the yellow belt it's the green belt green belt is kind of like the are you going to stick it through or you're just going to like stay like where you are until like you feel or just stay as green belt always There's nothing yeah. wrong with that but everybody's different yeah. i had a student um he was a green belt for three years and it was just one of those technically so okay he was where he needed to be but there was just a little i wanted a little bit more stick to a little bit more uh, initiative and those things, those kind of things just take time. And I've always, I've always thought of it never as a punishment. I would never withhold rank as, you know, a form of discipline or I wouldn't let someone, well, I would let keep someone from testing as, as discipline. Um, but I'm not going to dangle it, dangle a belt like a carrot. <clears throat> but green belt, I mean, that is because because my thinking is, you make it past that point, you're going to be a black belt one day. And um, you know, maybe my <clears throat> maybe my thinking's wrong. But if you're in my dojo and you make it past that green belt not only will you be a black belt, you'll be one of my black belts. And so forever you will like be a reflection of me. And so I'm so, you earn it. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of teachers too, and you see it, you see it very clearly in the jujitsu world. You, you get a black belt, who cares? Who'd you get it from? That's the next question. Oh, where'd you get your, or who, who gave you your black belt? And, uh, I, th- I think, I think some of the standup styles, I think we should, we could go for a bit more of that kind of thinking. Prestige. Cause like, yeah, yeah especially in Kyokushin, because when I had Patrick Pinto sensei pad on from the Kyokushin shuffle, he was saying back in the day, Sandans were like one in a thousand about like a, something along. It was along. No. it was in that wording where he's like, not many people became a sensei back in the eighties, nineties. Now there's more, but he said, and he said that it's, but he said, he's like, I think it's important that we also make it distinct, not ex, not ex, what's the wording. We want to make it special. Like, you know, like, yeah. because to get a sand Dan is a big, big deal. Not many people become third Dan, let alone a second Dan, like becoming a knee Dan is like, yeah, that's a, that's a big wake up call. So, but yeah, I've noticed that. Just uh, 
over the years, and you can watch you can watch YouTube highlights of tournaments in years past, how some of those black belts have no bars, some of them have one, most of them only have one or two. Nowadays, Sandan, um, Yondan fighting in tournaments. I don't know if that's a relatively new thing. I, or something I just notice more now. Um, There's a few more. It's nice to see. It's really nice to see. Yeah. Like, for example, I mean, like, cause for Canada, uh, he's in, they're both Nidans, but they have the level of like a Yond, of a Sandan, maybe a Yondan. It's Vince yeah. Michaud and Mohamed Chick. Um, yeah. And then, a, like a legitimate standout would be uh, Sebastian Cans under uh, the Ikeo Nakamura with Xi'an Pierre Cadafor. Like yeah. Sebastian has fought internationally, and that's another that's another one that's like it's nice to see like the new generation of like standouts or like the knee dance that are yeah. capable of being standouts. Actually, it's really nice to see because now you're really you're not seeing brawls. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I like watching brawls. But sometimes I like watching that high-level IQ, yeah. and it's a chess match. When, yeah. those, when they fight, that's not brawling. That's chess we're watching. Yeah. It's the violent chess. Hey, how old is Mohammed? Chick? Mohammed is uh, my age. He's 28, 29. I'm 28 as well. Holy yeah, I'm 29. Cow. Okay, so 2009, I fought Ring Wars. 2011, I fought Ring Wars. My wife got sick. I think she started to get sick in 2010. I should know this. I think 2013 Ring Wars, um, Renee wanted me to fight Muhammad. It wouldn't surprise me. It's one of those like, ah, I like, I would love to, but I had this family. Yeah. (laughs) I can't just drop everything for a weekend. But. Well, Mohammed was a very listen. Now, like you know, Mo is. Uh, I mean, when everyone asks, is he gonna fight again? Because you know, I'm very close with him. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and I train with him, and you know, like we talk every day. The truth is, like, I mean, like, I don't want to like say put words in anyone's mouth, especially Mo's, because you know, like, I really value yeah. and respect the friendship. I mean, I don't say he's retired, but he's just enjoying life because there's sometimes yeah. you know you have your family to take care of. But back yeah. in the day, oh, he was on fire. <laughs> he was beating yeah. the who's who's like. And, yeah. I, and I know he was a, I, yeah, that 20, 2011 to 20, that, tw- that 2009 period, yeah. to 2013, like he was like the guy in North America, like everybody wanted to be. Yeah. I, and there was, and they, there was like one story. Here's one story I have for you. Okay. So yeah. Mo has a, Mo's one of the youngest. He's among the youngest. I don't want to say the, because I'm sure there's others, you know, you never know, but he is among, so that means there's more probably, he's among the youngest to ever get his knee down at 17, which doesn't normally happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. uh, How old was he when he started? He was five when he started. He became a a showdown at 12, but like the Lamars recognized that this kid, it's like, listen, like this, like, you want to talk about like, uh, like when you talk about like why he's so good, it's because he had restless energy, but they helped, mm-hmm. they helped him mold that energy into something yeah. better. And Mo is like, as I say, you know, like I, I don't, as I said, when I compare Kyokushin guys to MMA fighters, like it's, I would always like to say like Mohammed is like, has the, he fight, he's got the fighting style of Gegard Musasi, the current mm-hmm. Bellator middleweight champion, very basic, but he has the IQ of John Jones where he knows how to change in any moment. He knows how to make like snap of a finger changes in his fights to, to get him on top. And that's where like, he's really playing chess. And 
he's he's done like, like I've seen some of the fights. I'm sure you've seen some of his highlights. Yeah. Like he's it's like when I hear people say like when people say like you know I think I I'd be like that was him then. Imagine yeah. now like yeah, you know for real. So for real, he, so he started. He started when he was five. Yeah. Good on him. And the fact that he got showed in at twelve and trained another five years without a promotion. That says a lot about character. You're not in it for the belt. Love that. Yeah, I get this. Like, so he wins. He's gonna come on one day to talk about that story in detail. So I'm not yeah. gonna say too much about how he got it because that's like it's like out of a movie. It's out of like a Bruce Lee movie how wow. he got it. So the other thing, the other thing is, um, uh, so the other the other thing is that like what happened was uh, like when he gets his third, when he gets his knee done, he has a tournament a week at like two weeks later in Vancouver. <laughs> And <laughs> goes and like it, it brew like he's bruised like bru- but his body yeah. recovers fast because he's seventeen yeah. so yeah. goes to a tournament two weeks later with uh, Sheehan Catterford and just wipes the tournament clean in Vancouver like and that's, <laughs> t- it's oh typical gosh. typical Muhammad chick gosh yeah I'm thinking after my knee end test I I don't think I was doing anything for two weeks. I remember being in a reclining position for a lot of, a lot of hours. I do remember, so I got, see, I was promoted on a Saturday evening. Dojo was open Monday. Sensei's got to teach. <laughs> so, I mean, I was there, but I remember, I remember kneeling in Seiza at the beginning and end of each class. It was probably one of the most painful things I've ever done because you know after after those full contact fights, your your legs do not want to bend. No, they're like oh. it's like gel. It's like it's like it's like um, jello. Your legs are like jello. Yeah. They're like yeah. yeah, sensei, sensei Bob, or not back then a senpai Bob. My kids' class, senpai Bob. Why did you make those noises when you got up? <laughs> Sorry, that that was that was. Senpai squealing, having to get back up. Senpai's a little sore right now. What did you do? I just rolled my my gi pants up and just showed them the bruises on the shins and the thigh. What happened? I got in a fight. Got in a lot of fights. Yeah. Oh man, those uh, those uh, those yeah, those tournaments, man. Like they. They really not tournaments, but those like belt testing fights, especially for the strikes, yeah. takes a toll yeah. on you. Like it takes yeah. a really uh, big toll. Um, what's the what, what's your plan? Like I know twenty twenty one. We're three months into twenty twenty one. Safe to say, it's kind of like a repeat of deja vu. We're already a year into this. So, what do you feel is going to happen with Forge Dojo? Like, like how have you guys been persevering through uh, the obstacles? Man, um, we've actually. We've been very blessed. Um, I, th- I think I, I think I was one of the first, one of the first, at least on the East Coast, to get on the Zoom train. Um, I had a quick interaction with uh, Mike Nanomia from Enchin Karate. Quick uh, inter- interchange on Facebook. 
was like, hey, I see that you're doing this. How are you doing that? I need to do that to keep my people together. Um, and so, yeah, man, we've been, we've been blessed. I have, I've lost zero students since the pandemic started. We've all, we've only grown. Um, and then, you know, in our, in our county, our state, we've been able to do live classes, you know, with masks and social distancing, um, which still, I mean, it's not ideal. It's not what we'd like to do, but to be in the same space together, even if we're just doing key home for two hours and sweating together, it's, it's been good. So we, we've had to adapt a good bit. Um, but again, you know, we could complain that, uh, you know, we're not supposed to do Kumite, um, especially the kids' class. I'm not supposed to do Kumite. So we could complain, oh, we can't fight. Well, let's use this time to work on our weapons. Let's, let's work on the bow and get our bow kata. That's something that we're, we're lagging in. Um, you know, we're not supposed to do Kumite. We can do pad drills. And as long as it's, you keep your same partner, throughout the class and we wipe down and you know, as long as we follow all the health protocols, which we do, cause I'm kind of not perfectionist, but um, I'm just grateful to be, I, I'm grateful to be able to have live classes right now. So I'm gonna follow whatever rules I have to, to make it happen. Um, so I've got, you know, live classes going. I've still got families who either have immune deficiencies or you know, just have moved out of the area. So we, we stream live on Zoom every class. So like attendance weekly from this point last year is, is actually way up. <laughs> um, but we're, you know, I got, I got about five guys in particular. We're all just chomping at the bit. First tournament, first tournament where we can fight, we're going to go fight. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say we, they're going to fight. I'm going to be the sensei unless my wife says I can go fight. And then I want to fight too. <laughs> um, but no, we, we, I mean, I think we've, we've talked about this. We can either complain about the restrictions or we can use the restrictions as kind of our new boundaries. So um, it's actually, so my dojo, we, we actually came from another smaller organization. Um, we just joined Khan. It'll be two years uh, in August. Um, so there are some things that we need to learn and need to, some things that Khan does a little differently than uh, my earlier organization. So it's, it, it's been a good opportunity for us to kind of catch up with the con standard. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just got my little fight team. When, when the powers that be say go, we're, we're going to get plane tickets and hotel rooms. We're, we're going to go. Um, and I think for the first time ever, I've got students who are excited about Kata competition. I'm like sweet. Which so, is pretty rare. It's like, well, not yeah. rare, but it's like when you're younger, you know, you want to do all the fighting because you watch it on TV. Yeah. So, 
but it's i think everybody just wants to appreciate they're gonna appreciate anything yeah. more that they have i think this like this pandemic really teaches you to value what you have because it could be it, it got ta- yeah. everything got taken in in the in the snap of a finger like march 14th i remember when they said oh it's a pandemic and at first like it's interesting because they made the announcement at noon Okay, mm-hmm. and on March 14th, a lot of us in North America are still working. You know, maybe we're like, we heard it on the news. <laughs> yeah, we're in a pandemic. Woo, yeah. okay. That's what maybe a lot thought. I know I was one of them. I was like, okay, whatever. Because I remember yeah. SARS. The SARS thing was a big deal. So I was like, okay. Yeah, that was a big deal. Then the next day comes and I get to work and the mood is not good. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, it's like we're going to be in this for like quite a while. Not I teach one of the courses I teach um, is biomedical studies to middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. And we were that week, we were studying viruses, vaccines, and epidemics. Wow. Um, We weren't, it wasn't part of the curriculum, but this whole COVID thing and, you know, having just come back, it was the week after uh, ring wars, just coming back from ring wars and some of the international fighters not coming in because of the, you know, fears over the COVID. Um, we were talking about vaccines, viruses, epidemics. I had a friend of mine from the National Institutes of Health who studies vaccines. He came in and gave a guest talk and, and the kids were like, it was that Thursday, March 12th, because I remember even Friday the 13th it all ended. The kids were like, so do you think we're really gonna get off for two weeks? No, I said, if, if we leave school for this virus, we're not coming back this year and we might not come back next year. And they're just like, what? Like, wow. Yeah, this is, this is kind of a big deal. And they're just, so now, you know, I, they, they interact with me on, um, you know, they'll send me emails. I still can't believe you are right. My my mom kind of you know what's crazy my mom actually kind of predicted this because like yeah. she was telling me like because my my mom you know like all our moms have that those eerie like feelings and it turns out yeah. to be true like at first my mom I, I kind of blew it off my mom's like this is not going to be good this virus she's like I don't like what I'm seeing like she had she said that like she likes like she had like um like uh I don't want to sound cliche or like or like uh, crazier but she said she had like um a prediction because like uh she saw like the pattern like with what was going on in china like what in wuhan and then she said in a month she's like what they're gonna make an announcement yeah. about something i'll be like what yeah. announcement she's like i don't know but an announcement is coming lo and behold march 12th so my, yeah. and then a year in, and then a year <laughs> into this i'm with my mom i'm with my mom at her house like i went to go i went to go visit her she's like so she's like, do you think I'm crazy now with that prediction I made? <laughs> and I'm like, nope. Never people, doubt your mother. That's the never. lesson from this year. Never doubt your mother. Never. No. Like <laughs> since then, I'm like, nope, not anymore. Because people like were blowing her off when she said that. When they're like, yeah. oh, it's just it's something the media is overhyping. A year later, how did you know? And my mom's just like, <laughs> she's like humble. She's humble about it, but she's like, yeah. Yeah. the shrug yeah, emoji. Yeah. <laughs> Oh Lord. Oh man. Yeah. It's been a crazy year. Crazy year. As wild as it's been, we can, we can all like nitpick the negatives and all that. There's been more positives. That's how you have to look at it. Yep. Yep. The, uh, 
it, like at least in my position, we're all going crazy at home, but I've gotten to spend a lot more time with my kids, with my wife, because um, I'm teaching. I'm I teach. This is this is where Mr. Buchanan's science desk is too. I think uh, I, I make my students look at my championship belt and all my karate. That gets stuff. them to that gets them to focus yeah. and be appreciative <laughs> of the class they're in. That's a good. That's a good psych. That's a good psychology move, right? That's a good well, psychology move. Every now and then, I had a dad. So the, the kid's camera was off. And then, it, now I'm, I'm talking about, I can't remember what we were talking about, um, but the, his camera goes on. I'm like, wait a minute, this is dad. He's like, hey, Mr. Buchanan, what's that belt behind you? I was like, well, this is science class. We can take a break. <laughs> so I just took it off and it, it basically turned into a conversation, me and this kid's dad. And then all the other cameras started turning on. It's like, you do this stuff for fun? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow. So, oh man, it's, it's, uh, when we're in the school building, I usually, I'll, I'll take that in and I'll put it on my desk. Just, just as a, um, so some, you know, some other teachers, oh, that's to scare the kids in line. I'm like, no, watch what happens. No. Without fail, every day, some new kid walk up. How did you get that? It's like, well, come back lunch or you know, you stick around after class. It's a that's my best conversation starter as a teacher ever. It's great. That's awesome. So, Where, and th that belt, it's a kick from a kickboxing tournament. No, that one was uh, Muay Thai rules. Okay. Again, I love being tall. Being tall is. It's great for stand-up martial arts, for striking. If you're tall, like I always yeah. look, I don't like if normally I find if you're like five, 10 or above as a male, you're yeah. going to do very, I find stand-up martial arts is, is very fun and it's easy to get into because it's like yeah. the height does help. So like I'm 5'11", so I'm a bit of a unit right now because of the COVID quarantine, you know, yeah. I'm at home, I'm eating, but I'm slowly losing the weight yeah. and, uh, but I'm not trying to deprive myself because like everybody's weight's going like. Yeah. Yeah. Gaining the COVID-19 or the COVID-20. Oh yeah. Luckily. So this is my work desk. Yeah. My home dojo was on the other side of the monitor. Nice. So in between classes, I'll throw a kettlebell around or I'll knock out some burpees, but otherwise I would be 350 pounds again because. Yeah. Oh man. I'm at home. The fridge is right up there. Yeah. You know what so. I do when I'm on, when I'm on break, what I like to do too, cause sometimes I get, I get two 15 minute breaks and a 30 minute lunch on my two 15 minute breaks. I'll go in the stairwell of the condo of the apartment I live in. Yeah. I just walk up and down. I just walk up and down for like, yeah. for like five times to add up to like two minutes. I don't run. Cause if I run, I'm going to be like, I just walk yeah. up and down the little things. And then after work, like before we, we recorded, I went out for like a nice walk. And uh, just to like get, get my mind off yeah. work. Cause I feel like you can't sit working at home. So you're going to have your work at home with you. So it's better just to de-stress, do what you can. And that's something that like, I really learned from like Mo and my mom. Cause like at first when yeah. I got my new job that I have not new, I've been almost a year there. I was really always taking work home with me. I was like, Oh my God, yeah. it's like, I got to do good. And they said, you got to find ways to really detach because yeah. you're working from home. So it's going to be more stressful probably right now. And Lo and behold, they hire a new team just to help out with like the the work we the workload of like my team has, and it's it's just been smooth sailing ever since. I think that's a 
not that not that women don't struggle with that. I think I think that's an idea or a challenge that men struggle with. Maybe a little more is just bringing the work home and not because I I don't know. This is probably gonna tick some people off. I don't care. Um, I think I think guys thrive on transitions, um, like rites of passage almost. But but as we get older, there aren't as many rites of passage to those transitions. So you know, we used to have that walk or that drive from work to home as the transition. Now we don't have that. It's just like if you don't make something. Like if you don't have a kettlebell or like your stairwell, you're going to go nuts and your, your whole day is just going to be work and work's going to bleed into your personal life and personal life bleeds into work and you're just a hot mess. So yeah, like that happened to me in November until, until like February, like just there's other stuff, there's just other stuff going on outside of work that just like led to like a big burnout and whatnot. But now like, I feel like I have like a routine going. I think that's the key to establish a healthy routine. Like you do kettlebells. I do stairwell or like i go for walks after i still go to my condo gym three days a week just to like stay active um and when it gets warmer i'm gonna i definitely take my bike out like i bike for like an hour and that's gonna really help shed the weight nice nice i can't bike it hurts my butt i'd rather do burpees anyway i hate burpees i'm the opposite (laughs) oh i hate them too but they work man yes (laughs) they work yes Oh. They do, they do, they do. Uh, Bob, you know, I just wanted, well, Sensei Bob, I want to say uh, already an hour in, you know, that's what I plan to do. I want to personally yeah. say thank you for coming on and, you know, approaching to come on because yeah. it means a lot to me when when uh, I have someone, especially of your stature, wanting to come on and be like, when am I coming on? When am I, because you, <laughs> like, you were like, you know, like, it's like, because as mentioned, you know, you messaged me, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Like, I, But I know I messaged you in the past, but then I think you saw the way the videos were going and, it's nice to see that I, I think video is what I want to do. Yes, I have an audio version, but the video is like the it's is what makes these uh is what makes this yeah. I don't even want to say it's a podcast, it's like it's or not even like a blog. It's it's a community I'm building. Yeah. That's what I want to yeah. build. It's and what the video makes the community rise up. Definitely. That's so I wanted. Definitely. And I just dude, I just so much appreciate what you were doing to I know it's eighty percent fight. 20% everything else, but man, just the way that you're bringing people, especially in the fight game together from all over. I'm jealous, man. When I was, when I was your age, I was yeah, probably hitting heavy bag or something. Um, <laughs> but you, I, I just think what you're doing and the way that you're doing it and learning from, um, you know, just the past audio only version, dude, can't wait to see where the true experience is in five years. So I'm just humbled that humbled that you talked to me for an hour. I'm I'm giving I'm gonna be honest. One of the goals is to like when tournaments happen again is to uh, go and give like fighter interviews to the winner to make them feel yeah. valued and you know like put those videos on YouTube, um, take photos of like of like move of like technique and action. So the yeah. picture does tell a story. So it's something yeah. I really want to do because I really feel that's going to also help give relevance to Kyokushin because we see BJJ doing it. Yeah. I think we can, what we can take, what they can do, we yeah. can do too. And we can make yeah. it unique in our own way. So 
If anything, totally agree. You can't is mentioned. The saying is, if one man, if if and if one person can do it, any person can do it. Yep. Yep. So true. So true. Where can people connect? And that. So guys, want to say. That's it. That's for this episode. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, like, share. If you like combat sports, it's on audio too. If you, if you're, if you don't have time to watch, uh, Bob, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook at forge dojo. Mm-hmm. Um, and inst- I use Instagram a lot. Sensei Bob. Perfect. I don't know how I was able to get that one. Cause there are a few sensei Bobs, but <laughs> I'm it. You did it. You did it. <laughs> So I want to say, man, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, I can't wait to publish this episode. I think it's going to really put Khan on the map uh, internationally. And then hopefully uh, Shian Cruz and uh, Shian Callahan are able to come on next because those are the those are the next ones. <laughs> well, awesome. Shian Callahan ag- agrees, but like Cruz is like, it's he's a busy guy, but he, he's, he's, he, he's, he's busy and he has some wonky hours too. Oh my God. So. He told me, but you know what? The focus is on you. I want to say thank you for coming on. It was an awesome honor to do this finally again. And, uh, I think the video was like just way yeah. better. It's like the dynamic is yeah. there. Totally agree. Thank you, my man. Thank you. Let me just.